Hi, this is Ellie Fishman. Welcome to part two of our uh, 3D imaging to infinity and beyond. And I was speaking last night about 3D imaging. Then one of the things it does for us is create signatures. And I've spoken about this in some of the lectures. And here's a hemangioma, the very nice volume rendering showing you the peripheral puddling, and then the MIP showing you that through transmission, showing you the nice feeding vessel, which MIP is very good at, but the hepatic artery is not enlarged, nor is it irregular. There's no neovascularity. Or this example, we see a feeding vessel going to the center of this homogeneous lesion, which is a classic appearance for focal nodular hyperplasia. Or this lesion, which is a very aggressive looking vascular map that I would have thought perhaps was hepatoma and ended up being hepatic adenoma. So I show this case to make the point that we are getting better with these mapping and these signatures, but it's not always going to be perfect. I guess the good news is hepatic adenoma is considered pre-malignant and this lesion needs to be resected regardless. One of the things we talk about now with chemotherapy is some of the new drugs like tyrosine kinase inhibitors work particularly well when patients have extensive neovascularity. And although we could see from the axial images that this tumor is very vascular, with the MIP imaging on your right or on the 3D MIPs here, you really appreciate the extent of the neovascularity. So it's not just the tumor's vascular or it's a malignancy, but it's the neovascularity. Or in this case, the halo around the lesion, the infiltration, this is not hemangioma, this is not a benign lesion, this is metastatic, and this was a neuroendocrine tumor, but again, the signature points you to malignancy. Now, it's interesting, as people look at oncology more, and again, I'm giving you a couple of articles that were just published. Uh, volume rendering and axial images produce identical values of the centrality index for preoperative planning with renal masses, but with the 3D VRTs, there's greater ease of execution and time saving. VRT provides an integrated perspective that can better assist surgeons in clinical decision making and in operative planning. So again, so much of the information is on the axial images that you get, but there's so much more. You're not taking advantage of the information unless you're looking at 3D. And so this case, it's easy to know it's a renal cell, and just by the vascularity, you know it must be a clear cell. But look at the 3D AV shunting. Look at all of the vascularity that's present and the neovascularity. Again, significantly more information. And when you look at a case like this with volume rendering in MIP, I just don't simply say the patient has a four centimeter renal mass, but this patient has a clear cell renal cell carcinoma. And articles are looking closer and closer at the integration of the genetic information and the CT scanning. Genetic makeup of clear cell renal cell carcinomas affect their features, and by knowing their features, we can predict, predict the cytogenetic levels. And it's not just the arterial side, of course, the ability to look at the invasion of the renal vein in this case, the IVC and into the right atrium, or the 3D mapping for looking at the duplicated collecting system. It's every part and every perspective of the kidney. And this article by Ramon and Karen Horton and myself talking about the subtleties found with 3D. So if I show you this case of the left renal pelvis, it looks good. And if I show you the left ureter is not obstructed, the pelvis is not obstructed, and perhaps you would simply say 
this was normal, but then you look much closer, and although there's no hydronephrosis, no obstruction, look at the irregularity of the left ureter, proximal one-third. That was a transitional cell carcinoma. So very subtle lesions can be picked up while they may have been missed without this technique. Now another thing we're looking at, because things can get better, is looking at textures. And I've always looked at textures in various organs, volume rendering, has always been good at creating textures, and that's something we look at. But in this case, you see very nicely the pancreas. But there are new techniques using a form of volume rendering. In this case, indirect, uh, interactive direct volume rendering with physically based modeling and lighting. And what this process does, in this very nice article by Crows and Associates, talks about how with volume rendering classically, you have one light source out of the patient. But with this technique, you have multiple light sources, and you could bring things into better perspective. They go through the technique, it's a Monte Carlo integration, and you could read the article if you have some time, but the point is the quality of the articles. The quality of the articles shows that the information is much better. And this article by Crows, in contrast to many existing approximations, Monte Carlo ray tracing, combined with physically based light transport is able to simulate real world light interaction without compromising the accuracy thus resulting in more realistic images and he goes on to talk about this as a way of improving our ability to understand images we hope to contribute to the uptake of realistic illumination and in interactive direct volume rendering applications and this technique has been implemented in part a Siemens cinematic rendering, which we've had some experience with, that works out very nicely. This article by Pam Johnson in Press um, makes the point that we're able to look at things. And I thought I would share this with you. And if you look at this case, this was a post-nephrectomy evaluation, uh, you could see the details. All I'm changing here is the rendering algorithm. In fact, there was no nephrectomy, but the kidney was in the pelvis. So here we're showing you the skin, the soft tissue, the bone, a little bit of the vessel, and then changing the rendering to show you the kidneys, the liver. Or looking at this case, the section of the SMA classic volume rendering, which looks very good. Look at the kidneys, but look at that compared to cinematic in this case. The cinematic seems sharper, the vessels are smaller, because you're changing the lighting model, which can potentially give you a better set of images and perhaps this will increase our ability to use 3D imaging and perhaps make people want to use it more frequently. So let me show you some examples. Neurogenic tumor, widespread adenopathy, the nodes are vascular, you see the volume rendering, you see the relationship of kidneys and aorta to the nodes. And here's the same patient with cinematic rendering. Look at the 3D display of the portal vein and SMV and the IVC, the extensive nodes and the relationship to bone, this very nice cinematic appearance. We also wonder perhaps, can you do things with the texture? So here, this patient has a fem-fem graft. I've taken the bone away. You see the coronal images with MIP. But look at the cinematic rendering. Look at the details of the liver. Perhaps we can see a lot more from the liver. And I'll just take you through a number of different renderings. Can we pick up pathology, quantify pathology? These are all good questions. Look at the fem-fem grafts, the aorta, the occluded left iliac artery. You can see very nicely, again, just changing the lighting model. I'm not changing the volume I'm looking at, just changing the lighting model. 
the difference in detail, and then looking at things from a posterior projection. Again, what's the best lighting model? Is there some way we can quantify things, create presets? These are all things we need to look at. Or even looking at this next case of the small bowel as a peritoneal dialysis catheter in place, look at the detail of the small bowel. Look at the vessels, the SMV, SMA. Look at the details that we can see. Can we do better small bowel imaging? Or in this patient with pancreatic cancer encasing portal vein SMV, I'm going to show you a series of images. The first one showing you the small bowel, liver. Second one, I change the lighting model so we hide the bowel. Look at the patient's prominent left gonadal vein. Third image, look at the portal vein SMV confluence. There's also a stent in the portal vein. You can see the encasement and the collaterals. And here's just two more images showing you that in a little bit more detail. Or what if I target over the liver? Look at the detail of the liver. It really looks like liver. Look at the stent in the portal vein. Or another example of pancreatic cancer with a stent in the common duct and a stent in the duodenum. You see lots of collaterals, but I'm going to take you through same volume, just different renderings. And look by changing the rendering. And we know this from classic volume rendering. By changing the rendering, we could accentuate, hide things, bring things into view. And perhaps the cinematic rendering will also improve some of these capabilities. We also wonder perhaps can we use this to detect subtle lesions? Can we use something like cinematic rendering or volume rendering as part of a deep learning algorithm? Here I'm showing you normal pancreas just changing the parameters. Look also at the kidneys which are normal. Or this example, another normal, but again changing the parameters. And then you look at the texture and you look at the next case with an adenocarcinoma and I'll show you that a little bit better but you can see that in the body of the pancreas you see the vessels, you see the bowel, you see clips from a hernia repair in the right inguinal region. Same case, you see the tumor, it looks different in terms of texture. Now again, you do have infinite number of images. You're going to have to figure out a way of doing the cinematic and getting the right images and the best images without spending a lifetime doing it but it has great potential. And in terms of being able to create certain maps or certain signatures, look at the serous cystadenoma. It does have that Swiss cheese appearance. Large mass, head of pancreas. And here's just a few more renderings. And this is a, a very nice example. And yes, you could see it with MIP or classic volume rendering, but perhaps, you know, again, the stretching of the uh, GDA, displacement hepatic artery, but again, look at the texture here when you're looking at some of the cinematic rendering. So it's very interesting to us. In this case, look at the texture of the stomach as well. So there are a lot of things you can do. The question is, can you make a big change? Or in this case, very simple axial images, large neuroendocrine tumor in the body of the pancreas and widespread liver mets. But look at its visualization. I'll show you a number of images. Look how the texture of this neuroendocrine tumor is different than the cystadenoma, different than the adenocarcinoma. And look at all of those masses in the liver literally coming off like Christmas ornaments off the hepatic artery. And you can see the branching very nicely, changing the lighting model. Here it is on the axial 3D volume model, again shown. And again here with a different lighting model showing you the collaterals because of the portal vein SMV involvement as well as the multiple liver metastasis. And as we look at some of these lesions, here's a patient with looks like a one centimeter 
lesion that's different than the rest of the texture. It's not fluid density. This was a cystic neuroendocrine tumor. And I'll show it to you in four more images, but you can get a feel of how different lesions have different signatures, perhaps. And we're putting a lot of effort into this. And it's not pancreas only. Here's a patient with suspected epitoma. You see the skin, you see the muscle, you see we take some of that away, you see the costal cartilage. And then when you get down into it, look at the detail of that infiltrated tumor into the liver. And you could see it in some other reconstructions. This is sort of an axial 3D volume, the irregularity of the tumor, the infiltration. Again, can we do more with liver imaging? Or the kidneys, look at that left renal mass. On the right, there was a cyst, but look at how we can change the renderings to really accentuate that tumor and the tumor of vascularity. Uh, it's not a subtle case, obviously, but look at the detail of the renal vein involvement, the extension of tumor into renal vein. Again, a very important set of roadmaps for doing this. So I think it's very important to recognize that one of the things we can do is really rethink the 3D process. Now, we've put a lot of effort into 3D over the years, uh, going ahead and doing things that are somewhat uh, unique, perhaps, and trying to understand and diagnose better, but perhaps we're at the cusp of doing something even better. Now, let me spend the rest of this talk and the next talk on some things that I promised I would do as part of this lecture, we just talk about some of the things we've done. Now, first, I'm going to talk about some of the things we've done a little bit of. There's a lot of interest in printing, and I won't speak about that in great detail. It's something that radiology is looking at. There have been several articles talking about the benefit of printing in terms of training, in terms of education, why people sometimes like to hold models, why there might be an improvement. And we've done some of that. Here's an example of an animal. This was a patient. Uh, you can tell it was an animal. It was a blue-tongued skink. The reason I can say it's an animal, look at the history. Elderly male, been in our collection for years. He has his problem. Our main concerns are, when was the last time you saw a requisition that gave you so much information? And here's our 3D reconstructions of that animal, kind of cool looking. And you compare our recons with that of a picture from a textbook of the animal. And here's our 3D renderings. And then we took that data with Macrobot and made a 3D model. And there's a, the top is the 3D rendering and the bottom is the model. Look at the digits. It looks the same. It's amazing the potential detail. So perhaps we can do a lot. Um, Frank Rubicki has written a lot about this. He even has a new journal on printing. So it may be something uh, that will be important to your future. So let's do this. Let's stop here and then we'll come back with part three of three talking about some of the unusual things perhaps we've done and some of our outlook for the future, where things are going. See you in a couple of minutes. Be right back.